When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf. Well, this week we are in my motherland. We are not there. I wish I was. Elk, this is a very bittersweet week for me, and I'm sure you feel that way when you see the guys on TV playing in Australia because your your home country is showcased in such a magnificent way on the biggest stage in golf this week. And, you know, you don't get to be there. But it's a phenomenal week on the PGA Tour, the Genesis Scottish Open, the week before the Open Championship, and all the big guns are in play. Yeah, going to Scotland is a wonderful treat to have, you know, for us golfers when we play the tour. This year, of course, the Open Championship is in England, however, but this week uh, we're in Scotland. And you always talk about what you miss the most, and I wrote down a couple things here of what <laughs> maybe you miss the most about Scotland. Is it the the extra sugar on the donuts that you get at the course where they make the, the donuts? I mean, I, I could already tell that's a big one. Uh, is it the... Is it going to the pub after the golf and everyone in the pub just wants to talk about the golf? That's that's hard to miss. Um, <laughs> is it the sandwiches they have over there, you know, like uh, ham and pickle sandwich that you don't get over here or the, or the ham and relish or ham and pickle relish? Yeah, Branston what is it? Pickle. Branston Pickle. You can actually get it in um, Publix, our supermarket here in Florida. They have the, the British section and you can get Branston Pickle. Um, there's so many things. I actually saw a picture of Minwoo Lee this morning and he was having like a Scottish fry-up breakfast with the bacon. And we talk about the bacon all the time because the bacon in Scotland is amazing. It's like that thick, almost like gammon ham bacon. Um, a potato scone or a tatty scone as we would call it, which is like a little triangle of like mashed down potato that's fried in oil and butter. So it's crispy on the outside. And haggis. He had haggis with his breakfast. And I know. Oh, so good. I mean, I tried to tell people like how great it is to 
you know, if they've never had haggis before, have it with your breakfast and have all of this together with your baked beans and your toast and butter and your fried eggs. So that made me very, very envious. I would, I, it's very hard to find any kind of traditional Scottish breakfast in the US. When you think about breakfast in Scotland as opposed to in America, it's like bourbon, Diane. On one end of the bourbon scale, there's this sweet and tasty, light bourbon. That would be the American breakfast with pancakes. And on the other end of the bourbon schedule, there's peppery and thick and all these things. That's the other, that's the Scottish end of it with the bacon and the and the haggis and all that, the goat mushrooms, the toast, everything. The baked beans, that's such a big part of it. Baked beans, I forgot about that. Butter on the toast, oh my gosh. Uh, breakfast is one thing that I really do miss. We have an Irish pub here in Jacksonville and they've created a, a pretty good version of the closest thing we'd get. But the haggis, you can't get haggis in the US. So it's um, a banned food product, <laughs> which says a lot. Well, when you start to talk about, you know, uh, cow's blood that's been hanging from the rafters for two months and then you squish it into a patty and cook it. Yeah, I kind of understand why they're not really that keen about it over here. Oh, man, right. Um, I should just say, I know I sound terrible. I've been recovering from COVID. Can you believe it? It's still doing the rounds and we have been floored by it over the last week or so. Um, crazy, Amazing. horrible. Yeah. So, but, you know, this is me getting excited now because we have Scottish golf to watch this week. Right. Um, going back very quickly to last week in the John Deere Classic, three of our picks finished within the top 10. Adam Schenk, Denny McCarthy and Lucas Glover. I really thought that it was going to be Adam that got it done. Denny as well fell away a bit on Sunday, but Sepp Straka put together just a phenomenal day. And I mean, at one point we were on the edge of our seats waiting for a 58, never mind a 59. And then a double bogey on the last had him hanging around for over an hour waiting to see if he was going to get it done, and he got his second PGA Tour win. Yeah, it was a great win. Um, I watched the last couple couple holes there. It was great. You know, it was a bit of a combination of a guy running up the leaderboard from way behind, except Stracker, of course, and then the, the, the sort of the top handful of guys didn't play that well on Sunday and weren't able to climb back over the top. Denny McCarthy, who was my pick, I thought he would do better. Um there was a bunch of guys there, Diane, that had chances, but sort of just stumbled around a little bit. And I don't want to say this in a mean way, but when you have this, the events where the field lacks a ton of, of star power, it's harder to predict what's going to happen on Sunday because usually the really super players up top hold their position really well. And it's harder for a step tracker to leapfrog them because they continue to do well. But it was a great win. It was that kind of week from the start. It's that, you know, it was a weaker field, a smaller field, but a very big opportunity. And Seb Stracker took full advantage of it. Yeah, he truly did. And you and I were having a little conversation about this on the phone earlier. The the Ryder Cup, which is coming up in September, it's going to be held on European soil. The American team is completely and utterly stacked, so much so that some real top performers might not get selected for the team. You know, they have an abundance of options and it's going to be a, a tough job for Zach Johnson to make his picks. But when it comes to the European side, you have guys like Sepp Straka and a few others that we're going to talk about today in relation to the Genesis Scottish Open who are making their mark right now and they still have a bit of time left to really cement their place on that team. 
Yeah, and, and I looked at it pretty closely yesterday, Diane. The Europeans are in a, you know, a little bit of a tough spot because they're going to have to use some of their picks to get some of their superstars onto the team, which will which will let in guys, younger guys at the bottom. I would say currently right now the European team's fine at the top, but it looks like it's going to be a young, very rookie-ish bottom end of the Ryder Cup for the Euros. On the American side of things, they're loaded with picks, as you said. I mean, they could have a, a pick, Diane, for a last spot, which would, could be between Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, and Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know if any three of them are in the equation, but that's how many good players they got at the end. That could They may have to pick one of those to, to make up their 12th man. So what? Americans are loaded. There is a little bit of a form. The form's not quite as hot as it was uh, as when you were working for the Ryder Cup uh, at Whistling Straits, the Americans were so in form. Yeah. Justin Thomas we'll talk about on just show. Uh, Max Homer not in form. However, we don't know what's going to we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, the Americans have enough for a reserve team. <laughs> they have they could have an A team, a B team, and then we're still going to be struggling to put together a great side. No, I mean, having said that, there's a lot of young talent that's coming up, and you know, on the Europeans, with it being so wide open right now, there's a lot of guys that are going to be you know, proving that they deserve their spots on the team. I'm thinking of Robert McIntyre, the Scot. Um, you know, Aaron Rye is someone that we're going to talk about on the show a little bit later on. Um, the Hoygaard twins, one of them just winning the Danish Open at the weekend. Ludwig Aberg, who was my pick a couple of weeks ago, and then he just had a, an incredible finish at the John Deere. So it's um, we're, I just don't think we're going to know what's happening until pretty much the very end. Yeah, and all those names you mentioned, they're all exciting young European players coming along, but they have zero experience in the Ryder Cup, which is tough because the American team's pretty loaded. So it's going to be played in Europe, so that gives you a little bit of a point or two, Diane, but um, we're going to have to just wait and see. These next few weeks are going to be very important to both teams. Yeah, yeah. well, this is a big week because the Genesis Scottish Open is a co-sanctioned event between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, which means we have in the region of 75 players from the DP World Tour who are going to be thrown into the mix alongside the PGA Tour players this week. And as I said, we have all the big superstars, eight of the world top 10, only two missing it are Cameron Smith, who is not allowed to play, and John Ram's not teeing it up this week either. But FedEx Cup points up for grabs. It's a $9 million purse this week. It's up from $8 million last year. And Lynx Golf, this is a, a real warm-up event. That's unfair for me to say, to call it a warm-up event, um, because it traditionally was. You know, a lot of guys would come over and really get their feet wet on this Lynx-style golf before the Open Championship. But now, with so many names over the years who were really making the Scottish Open a, a, a date on their calendar, they've really elevated this, and it's going to be a huge week. Yeah, well, as you say, um, it is. it was always considered a bit of a warm-up. Now the purses are way up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all about getting used to sort of what you're trying to do when you come to Scotland, whether it's getting ready for the Open Championship or a, as they're going to Royal Liverpool next week down in England, could get some weather. But it already is becoming a, we- a weather week already. We're looking at the forecast. I'll, I'll let you present that to us here in a minute. Um 
So I'm when I when I went to Europe, Diana, it was always amazing to me. I would tee off in these tournaments, and a lot of the European guys that I didn't know would shoot like a 67 or a 60. And I remember playing in I was playing in Carnoustie one year, and after my round, I was in the lunchroom and I'd shot like a 75. It rained the whole morning, the howling gale the whole day. And Patrick Harrington, who obviously is one of the great players, Hall of Famer. Uh, was talking to his friend and he had just shot a 66, Patrick Harrington, in playing in front of me. And I just, I was shaking my head thinking about, I mean, how could he have done that? But on the 13th hole was a short par three and they, they were talking about what club they hit. It was about 130 yards. And Patrick Harrington said that he chipped a four iron on this shot to keep it under the wind and get it onto the green. And I knew right then that I was not equipped. I had no idea what I was doing. I shouldn't have even been over there to playing in those kind of conditions. So what, because I just said that, why don't you tell us what the weather forecast is this week? Because it's quite shocking. Well, I mean, the I, I'm from Scotland, so I, I'm always going to have great things to say about it no matter what. So it's not a case of bad weather. It's a case of bad preparation. <laughs> You know that you're going to have four seasons in one day. You know you're going to need your rain gear at some point. Um, there's rain forecast for pretty much every single day right now. Um, Sunday, the winds are really going to pick up. So the winds are looking like they're around about 15 miles per hour most days. And then Sunday, it says they're going to get up to 20, 25 miles per hour. Um, but you never know with that. It's one of those things that they do. Which on the coast, and on the coast is you add, add 10 miles an hour on the coast, right? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, the, yeah, the forecast is really not great. A lot of rain. It's going to play soft. You know, I think back to when the Open was at Carnoustie. Um, how many years ago was that now? Three or three years ago. And it was so burnt out and the grass wasn't green. Everything was so yellow. We're not going to have that at all this year in Scotland. You know, everything's going to be very soft and very wet. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just even looking at the weather today and it's just a hundred percent chance of rain right now. So <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wet. It's going to be windy. And obviously with this course, the re do you say the Renaissance club or the renaissance this is always a, a talking point uh i think i would say the rena renaissance the renaissance club oh, I don't what do you know say? I, I don't know because whatever one i say i'm gonna get a hard time on social media um i think yeah, i'd yeah. say the renaissance i think that's naturally yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um it's an interesting story behind the Renaissance Club in East Lothian because it's actually a consortium of American businessmen who went over and uh, Jerry Servardi is someone you know, is that right? Yeah, I know the brothers that built it. Uh, Paul Savardi from Insperity was my sponsor while I played on the tour and the, they, they put the whole deal together. It sits right next door to Muirfield Golf Club, one of the oldest clubs in Scotland. Beautiful piece of property. And this week, Diane, you talked about the wind and the rain. It, it's a week, you know, we talk a lot about what does it take to do it? What does it take to play well on this course? Well, whenever it's really windy and, it's, you know, it's raining, you always get back to the guys that hit the ball the best off the tee and can position themselves between these jacuzzis, which I'm calling jacuzzis, they're bunkers. But if you go in them, you've got to come out sideways. And that's sort of this club. You, they're positioned beautifully all over the course. And when the wind blows, you've got to be able to hit shots, Diane, to stay out of these bunkers. And that could mean a hundred different things. But basically, you've got to choose a shot. 
you've got to stay clear of these bunkers or you risk and you try to run through them and you pay the penalty if you don't. The other thing that's uh, great about this course, just some of the backstory behind it is, you know, the this consortium knew they wanted to build a Lynx golf course in Scotland. And as you say, right beside Muirfield, they have the perfect piece of real estate. But when they bought it in 2005, the problem was they didn't have any land right beside the sea, which, of course, is the traditional trademark of Lynx golf. So they had to go on back and forth and kind of barter this deal. And it wasn't until 2011 when they actually got to buy this piece of land that was going to be connected to the course on the water. And then they made three extra holes to complete it. So it's just, it's a cool story that obviously they really wanted to get over there, build a Lynx course, and it took them a good few years to get exactly what they wanted. I also heard an interesting story where when they were digging on the third hole, second and third hole, they unco uncovered an, an old tomb town for Americans, tune for you, and they they realized it was an architectural preservation spot, so they called in the preservation people. They thought the project was finished because they totally uncovered this homes and a street and a church, and you know what they did, Diane? They they put a, a, a notice in the paper that said anyone that wanted to come see the tune that was on the third green at uh, Renaissance Club, they could, and after 30 days, Everyone that wanted to come see it did it, and they said, okay, you can cover it up and build your golf course. Wow, that is a brilliant story. Very, That's a very typical Scottish story. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> well, um, you know, talking about the course, because this is the fifth time that we've seen the Scottish Open being played there. And yes, you know, obviously it's a, a Lynx course, but it's not that kind of traditional famed Lynx style course that we're maybe used to seeing at the Open. Um, you know, the the rough is actually a lot thicker by the side of the fairway. So that like wispy fescue is actually not as penalizing as the thick, thick rough that you'll see. So in that sense, accuracy is gonna be, you know, important this week. Um, large greens as well. Length of the tee is actually more of an advantage around here than we see at some of the other kind of traditional older Lynx courses. Um, but this course, par 71, 7,293 yards. But Elk, when it comes to these Scottish courses, <laughs> the yardage sometimes uh, is not very accurate when you're standing on the tee. <laughs> It doesn't mean a thing. And the Scottish people that are going to watch this event are going to like to see the players play in the big wind and they're going to like to see them tested in the rain. And they're going to want players that uh, can cope with these conditions because, let's face it, that's how, you, that's how they, you live every day over there, coping with these conditions. So the Scots are very respectful and they're very intrigued by uh, uh, players, uh, no matter where they're from, of whether or not they can handle circumstances and conditions. And it's a very hard tournament to handicap, Diane, because with the wind and the draw and when the rain comes in, it can just flip on a dime and you could get a favorable draw or not in a second. However, we're going to do our best to see if we can put forward a few of the players that we think have got what it takes to play well this week. Well, you had talked about Podrick Harrington, you know, playing that low shot. Xander Shoffley, who won the Scottish Open here last year, that's what he said. You know, he really had to get creative and figure out, you know, that low ball flight. And it's a style of golf that he loves. A lot of guys are very... Um, 
outspoken about how much they love playing Lynx golf and they love that you have to use your imagination. You can play that like bump and run shot up with these kind of shaved off areas around the green. Ricky Fowler's another one who waxes lyrical about the fact that he loves the style of golf. But, you know, he's won the Scottish Open before back in 2015. A trend that you'll see with guys that have won here or do well is that majority of time they've been in good form and they've either won or they've had a really decent finish in the run-up and Xander Shoffley last year has won he won the JP McManus Pro-Am um, at Dare Manor where you were not all that long ago he had won it the week yeah, yeah. before so you know perfect example of guys coming in with a bit of form and you'll see that time and time again either guys from the DP World Tour like we saw with Aaron Rye winning Bernd Wiesberger um, Minwoo Lee won here before as well um, so form seems to count for a lot entering this week. Yeah, and you've got to putt good in the wind. You know, the greens are flatter in Scotland because there's more winds, so they can't have a lot of slope. So you've got to pick up the pace, meaning you've got to get the you need to get the speed of the greens very quickly when you first get over there. That's the first thing you've got to try to handle when you get there. You, we feel like when we get over there, we've got to hit the putts a lot firmer. When you see the Europeans putting over there, you see them banging that ball and getting it online quick, and that's the way they do it. Um, you've got to putt well when it's windy, Diane. There's no no two ways around it. And there's never been a truer statement. It doesn't really matter how you get the ball into the fairway. It's more, did you get it in the fairway? The swing becomes a less thing to worry about when it's super windy. Yeah. It's just whether or not you can get overlay your strategy into this course and i'm looking for i, I want to have some guys with some power mm -hmm. i want to have some people that have some history on this course and i want to have some form so i'm i'm you know i'm i've got a mixed bag this week yeah, it's very similar to my criteria too. And the winning score here, there's um, you know a huge range. For example, last year, uh, the winning score was seven under par for Xander. But back in 2019, Bernd Wiesberger won here at 22 under par. So again, weather is going to really come into that. And we've already said that Sunday is going to be <laughs> the crazy wind, which I am so excited to see. I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> the more wind and rain, the better. Yeah. Right, well, we're going to give out our yeah, picks. Um, and we're on a good little run right now. I'm feeling pretty confident in our abilities here. So we're going to do outright favourites, ones to watch, and then those dark horses at um, over 100 to 1. So I'll let you kick off with your outright favourite this week. Bearing in mind, we do have all the big names from the PGA Tour back in action in my homeland. Most of the big names are playing this week. There's a few exceptions, but... I'm not picking a guy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going way out on a limb this week, and it's not that big a limb because this player is super well known. Um, this player handles controversy and adverse things happen to him all the time, and he does it to himself. And he's been on a little bit of a break, but he's played pretty good this week, this year. Well, he's played well this year. He's in the top 30 on the money list, Diane. Um, been off a few weeks. He's uh, is expecting to have a second child. He was at Wimbledon the other day. I'm talking about Jordan Speed, Diane, oh. if you can believe that. Got a little bit more room around this course to hit the, the driver. He's a very tactical player. His best part of his game is, is irons and bunker play and pitching the ball and tenacity and hanging in there. And if there was ever a guy, in my mind, that doesn't get shaken up by anything, it's Jordan Spieth. So at the top this week, there'll be other guys that'll be getting ready for their game, and I may pick a, 
a better and stronger and faster player next week at the Open. But this week, I am, I've seen enough and I know enough to pick Jordan Spieth up top. Okay. I'm glad you said that about the second child because I suspected it a while ago, but you'll never... I did it before you did. I'll, and I'll never speculate and say, oh, is she pregnant? But I did see a picture on Justin Thomas's Instagram of Annie holding her belly and it's very prominent now. So I'm like, okay, I think it's safe to say that they have baby number two on the way. Um, Jordan Spieth, okay. What's his, um, what's his past performance at the Scottish oh, Open looking like? He finished, he finished top 10 here last, last year. Okay, that's enough for me. So that, that was, that's enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and what odds? What are you seeing for him? Uh, I'm looking at uh, 22 to 1. Pretty oh, good. My guy's exactly the same. My outright favorite. Yeah, He's yeah. 22 to 1 as well. Um, and I am um, this guy, I actually have been thinking about him as my pick for the Open for a while now. But then I started digging into the Scotch Open, thought that's it. He's the name that's coming to the front of my mind and I'm gonna go with Tommy Fleetwood this week at 22 to one. Now he finished tied for fourth here last year. And when Aaron Rye won here in 2020, he beat Tommy Fleetwood in a playoff. So he's got great course history around the Renaissance. I just said Renaissance, not Renaissance. I just flip flop between the two. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but it's okay. He's been playing really well lately. Um, you had COVID. There's no way. You, there's no way you can you can have pronunciation and COVID at the same time. It's just not yeah, possible. Especially with my accent too. Um, Tommy Fleetwood has three top fives in his last six starts, which is amazing. He hasn't played since the Travelers. So I'm guessing that he would have flown back home, you know, recharged, been back in England and back on British soil, getting acclimatised for the next couple of weeks. But we know what he's like on these Lynx courses as well. I mean, he finished uh, tied for fourth at St Andrews in the Open last year. He finished runner-up at the Open in 2019. The funny thing is Tommy Fleetwood has never won on the PGA Tour. That's been well documented. How funny would it be if his first PGA Tour win was at the Scottish Open? So I am taking him as my outright favourite. The form is great. His numbers are so good right now as well. Um, and, you know, looking at his stats, seventh in strokes gained off the tee, seventh in strokes gained around the green, seventh total, uh, 29th putting, 26th in approach. These are phenomenal numbers. And that win for Fleetwood, it's right there. Everyone's cheering for him as well. So I'm taking him as my outright favourite at 22 to 1. Moving on to our ones to watch. So guys at higher odds, my guy's 80 to 1 this week. How about you? Um, I think I'm at 33 on this one because they must know what I know, I okay. think. Okay, well, you, you take it. You want me to go ahead? Yeah, I want to hear this guy. <laughs> This this young player was on the European Tour. Now he's on the PGA Tour, and he's going back for the first time to show off his skill set back amongst the boys that he left behind. And I'm talking about Minwoo Lee, who we who we sort of introduced to a lot of people on this show, maybe back in March when he had a bit of a run there at the Players Championship. I saw him at the cricket the other day when Australia's playing England. Uh, he. I don't have any stats on him because the tour hasn't got it yet, but I've got him in the most important one, uh, strokes gained confidence. I've got him at number one on the PGA Tour, Diane, in, in that category. 
power to burn. I don't know if you saw him at the Hartford tournament, the Travelers, 192 mile an hour on course driver speed. He's won this tournament before, Diane. He's from Europe, did all of his stuff, kind of like a Brooks Kepka type of superstar player, possibly in his future, did everything in Europe. His sister, Minji Lee, had a nice event. I watched the U.S. Open all weekend. Yeah. But I'm looking at I'm looking at Minwoo Lee, Diane. He's got to be feeling so good about three things. One, coming back to the Renaissance Club where he's won before. He knows how to play in Europe because all his buddies are there that, that he left behind. And now he's a PGA Tour guy and he's playing in these big events. So he is going to be celebrated by a lot of people this week that want to see him that haven't seen him for a while. And I just think strokes gain confidence, number one, is my guy, Minwoo Lee. Ozzy, okay. g'day, mate. I'll give you another, I'll give you a strokes gained Scottish for Minwoo Lee because he's, his caddy is Scottish and he has a yardage book of hearts um, football club, which is Edinburgh based, which is East Lothian, which is not far from the course. So a good bit of local knowledge from the caddy and I'm sure the guys are going to be having a lot of fun out there this week. Perfect. Okay. More good karma for me. Exactly. Well, you're going with a past champion here in the Scottish Open, and so am I. But my guy is 80 to 1, which I was amazed at because he's won here before and he's playing really, really well. Aaron Rye, another Englishman this week at 80 to 1. Now, he's in stellar form. Looking at his last five starts on the PGA Tour, he's finished 12th, miscut, 3rd, 24th, and 9th. And he won the 2020 Scottish Open here, beating Tommy Fleetwood in that playoff. Now, looking at his stats, he's sixth in accuracy, uh, driving accuracy, which, you know, we talked about the fact that the rough, the side of the fairways here, it needs to be avoided at all costs. Um, and he's fourth in consecutive greens and reg, which is a cool stat. But missed the cut here last year. Um, and I was looking at his stats from last year, and they were terrible. However, I think that was just an anomaly year for him. And also the fact that Aaron Rye is just a different player right now. He's been a lot, he, I mean, he's recognized. He's on leaderboards a lot. I just gave out all those finishes. He's in the mix. He's getting himself in a great position like he did here in 2020 when he went on to win it. So I think 80 to one for Aaron Rye are, those are exceptional odds. And I'm going to take him as my one to watch. This was the first time I ever saw Aaron Rye. I was at the Scottish Open when he had the two gloves on <laughs> and he had iron cover, he had covers on his irons. You remember that? Yeah, but I love the story like, behind it. He said that, you know, I said, what, a, what a likable nerd. What a likable nerd <laughs> golfer that, that boy is. And he said that when he was yeah, younger, yeah. his parents couldn't afford to buy, you know, clubs for him. And when he got clubs, he wanted to protect them at all costs. So he kept yeah, iron yeah. covers on them. And he's like, you know, it's one of those things that I loved. It's nerdy. You're right. But it's, uh, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. super likable. Likable like nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And great odds yeah. for Aaron Rye, who's playing really well right now, um, 80 to 1. Uh, all, the, all the people we've mentioned so far, Tommy Fleetwood, Rye, Minwood um, uh, Lee, Jordan Spieth, they all really get into it with the irons and bang down on the ball and keep that ball in play. Tommy Fleetwood famously grips down on the club about this far. Jordan Spieth's good iron player, Minwood Lee. All these guys really know what they're doing with the irons, Diane. So mm -hmm. I'm liking everything we got right now. 
Okay, okay, good. Right, and then we move on to our dark horses, our long shot guys who have to be over 100 to 1. Now, I have to pick a Scot, right? So I'm just telling you right now, I looked at the Scottish guys and I'm going with one of them. Well, go, go, go ahead and do it. 250 to 1. Now, um, Last week it was the Maiden Denmark on the DP World Tour and Robert McIntyre and Richie Ramsey both had great finishes. I say that Richie Ramsey just had to par the last and he was probably going to win and he dunked it in the water <laughs> um, on approach. So terrible for him and he was talking about it afterwards saying it was going to take a while for that to kind of, you know, for him to get over that. Um, so I would say Robert McIntyre and Richie Ramsey are going to be the two guys, you know, from Scotland that most people are looking at. So my guy is a little bit under the radar. He's very like Minwoo Lee in that he is a confident guy, right? And he's got reason to be that way because he's having a really good season. He's had three top four finishes this season already. And one of them came just a few weeks ago at the British Masters. He putted lights out. He gained almost two strokes on the field on the greens. I'm talking about Ewan Ferguson. He's got a couple of wins under his belt on the DP World Tour now, and um, he's really gathering pace out there. He finished T30 here in 2020. I think he missed the cut last year. Um, but you can bet now he's a bit of a different player and I'm sure he's been playing this course in preparation and I'm sure he's ready to put on a bit of a show and, and prove that he deserves to be the fan favourite and fly in that saltire flag for the Scots this week. So Ewan Ferguson at 250 to 1, I think he's going to do great. There'll be plenty of Scots putting a few quid on uh your boy Ewan this week uh, yeah. after hearing your rundown on that, Diane. Okay. What do you call someone from Belgium? Is it a, like, it's not a Dane from Dane, uh, from Denmark. What is a Belgian person? It's a Belgian. So you just do a, or, an, a Belgian from Belgium. <laughs> oh, he's just a Belgian. He doesn't have a sort of a nickname like an Aussie or a Scot or a Dane, none of that. <laughs> a Belgian is what you just said. A Belgian. I'm playing, I'm going with a Belgian. Um, <laughs> Thomas Dietrich, uh, he's having a pretty good season on the PGA Tour. He's, he's well up there in the FedEx Cup. Yeah. But I'm, I'm particularly looking at him because of his last five events on this course. Am I still, am I rolling okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine, yeah. Yeah. Am I, am I okay? Yep, yep. Okay. So I'm particularly looking at, uh, he's got decent stats, Diane. Uh, but I'm, I'm particularly zooming in on his last five events on this course. And I'm going to start with the fifth one, 63rd, five years ago, 43rd, 30th, 2nd, 10th. So he's had other years that weren't awesome, but it seems like every time he comes to this course, Diane, he gets better by... 10 spots every time he comes here. So he's obviously figured this course out, knows everything about it, not worried about uh, rain, wind, and all that. He's a Euro player. Good. I love it. 125 to 1. I've never been more confident about someone uh, that plays well at a certain time of year. You know how big I am on that. Yeah. Uh, what are we calling that? Biorhythms. <laughs> Biorhythms. Yes. Uh, and Thomas Dietrich is another name that's going to be in the mix vying for a place on the Ryder Cup team. Uh, that's what I mean. We have like so many of these kind of middle tier players that 
are going to have to really fight to show that they deserve their place on Luke Donald's team. And Thomas Dietrich is one of them. You know, may as well get it rolling right now. And Ewan Ferguson at 250 to 1. <laughs> right, Elk, thank you so much. Um, we have coffee golf, as people like to call it on, uh, on golf Twitter, because we can wake up in the morning and watch the golf in Scotland. I'll have a little bittersweet tear in my eye. <laughs> but then, of course, huge week this week warming up for next week with the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool and we have defending champion Cam Smith, all the live guys back in the mix and um, we're going to have a huge show lined up for next week. Cam Smith's putting is looking very dangerous, Diane, uh, what I saw from the live highlights yesterday. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, thank you for listening and thank you for watching the Tour Report. Let's go for another winner this week and we'll be back next week to talk about the Open, the fourth and final major of 2023. Sports Social Podcast Network.